0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer and the U.S. National Team on WNRI AM 1380. And streaming live on the internet at WNRI.com. Brought to you by Soccer New England magazine and soccernewengland.com, covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now, Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue.
2: Welcome to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue joined today by Dave Ackman in studio. Uh, lots to talk about tonight. We'll be joined a little later on the show by ESPN soccer analyst Tommy Smith. Uh, lots of results this past week. The Revolution on Tuesday, advancing in the U.S. Open Cup with a 2-1 victory over the Carolina Railhawks and overtime to make it to the U.S. Open Cup final. Uh, tonight, not, not as great, good a result for them against D.C. United. D.C. was uh, going into the match a point ahead of the Revolution in the standings in the Eastern Conference. The Revs had really been on top of the division for the But, you know, for the better part of the year, Uh, finally down below D.C., they could use this match to leapfrog over them. Instead, they lost. Now, D.C. is another four points ahead of the revolution with only six games remaining. That might prove an insurmountable lead. We'll see what happens there. Uh, The U.S. also having a game today, uh, a four to two loss to Brazil well-played game by the u.s as well so let's talk about in the show we'll start with tonight's result with the revolution uh losing to dc united the revs came back they were really p- poor performance to start the match uh they had a great goal by twelman to tie it up going into halftime and then they scored again on kind of a fluky goal there uh bad bad header off a corner by a dc defender leaks through troy perkins legs jay heaps gets on the end of it revs up two to one uh, at that point revs on the road certainly a team that's done well holding leads lately in the past they had some trouble but seems like that's been something they've been working on and doing better at disappointed then see them go and give up not one but three unanswered goals uh and and lose this game four to two on the road against a team that really they needed a win against
3: yeah i think uh they really didn't have a great game the whole time even when they had the 2-1 lead it was sort of a you know a fruity kind of way to get the lead tolman's goal was kind of an act of brilliance off of a nice cross by conno smith and they really hadn't started well they gave up a bunch of chances if you know a couple offsides calls hadn't been made you know it really could have been two nothing earlier for dc so i think they were kind of fortunate to be ahead two to one and it just showed as the rest of the game progressed that they just weren't really having a great game
2: certainly lots of frustration on the revolutions part we saw Steve Nagel get thrown out for arguing a call i believe it was on uh, luciano amelio's first goal which that gave them the lead there uh, in the the second half Uh, luciano amelio two goals in the match 18 goals in the season Certainly, he's put, pushing himself into being the front-runner for MVP. Uh, the Revolution defense, though, was extremely shaky in this match. Uh, no one player in particular, more than the rest, could be called out because certainly all of them had their struggles. Shari Joseph, who's had some, a, a very good season, certainly did not have his best game. Jay Heaps, coming back from injury, got beat a few times, but he also scored the goal and made some great com- contributions offensively. also had another uh, shot that was went over Troy Perkinson, was cleared off the line by a D.C. defender. But... The Revolution de- defense really, really struggled to keep up with DC's offense. The guy, guys like Fred, Emilio, Jaime Moreno, uh, th- they weren't able to contain them.
3: Yeah, I mean, you even saw Christian Gomez have a nice, uh, nice couple of plays. Ben Olson really, you know, and he, once he came in with the fresh legs, really started opening up the wings for them, too. Brian Carroll had that nice run down the wing to set up another opportunity, so. You know, it, it just seemed like they're, it's not like they had a bad back line in. They had, you know, what you'd think would be their first choice at this point in the season with John, Heaps, Parkhurst all back. And So, I mean, you really couldn't expect, you know, a different lineup. It's just no one really played very well. You know, Joseph was uh, missing some tackles. Heaps missed a couple free, uh, pretty easy clearances. So, I mean, it was just a tough game all around.
2: And if you talk to the players, they, they talk about how the team needs to get out of the The streak they're having of playing a good game, a bad game, a good game, a bad game. They're capable of playing a lot better than they played today, and we've seen it in the past. But they do have that habit now of playing good games followed by bad games, and they talk about needing to get rid of it. They haven't been able to do it yet, so it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Another player that really didn't have a great game, it was Annie Dorman, who really was invisible throughout the match. He started out the season very strong. First half, he was playing very well uh, in the season, but recently, he really hasn't shown as much in these games, and it's kind of disappointing.
3: Yeah, he was kind of invisible, I thought, today. He really didn't see very many touches from him. Didn't really defend ex- exceptionally well. So I thought he had a pretty invisible game. It's kind of sad to say, but, you know, Kano Smith really seemed to be their best midfielder today. And I mean, he didn't exactly have a stellar match, but, you know, he was definitely trying out there. Thought, you know, Ralston didn't have one of his better games either. Laurentowitz was all right, but nothing spectacular
2: either. And Wells Thompson played well coming off the bench with that long run that really should have led to a goal. Uh, Twelman, Twelman had a good game with that solid effort there and was playing pretty well. Uh, but other than that, you look through the entire lineup, uh, as I mentioned, Dorman was pretty invisible. Joseph didn't have a good game. Uh, Parker's probably could have done better. Certainly, certainly wasn't helped by the support around him. Uh, Steve Ralston didn't have one of his better games. Jeff the Runaway didn't play as much into the game as well, so it it really is disappointing performance from a Revolution team that we know can play a lot better. They played you know better against the Red Bulls last week. They got a little lucky to win that game on some plays, but they deserved to win it. It'll be interesting to see what team shows up in these next couple of games in the stretch run of the playoffs. Where we've really seen the Revs turn it on, particularly in the last six games of the season over the past few years.
3: Yeah, usually the run into the playoffs has been you know their better part of the season lately. So. You'd, you'd like to think that they would be able to turn it on. I mean, they got some new fresh blood in there that seemed to have been uh, helping out too with Niasse getting the you know the assist in the open cup match. So you know maybe they started to strengthen their team a little bit for the stretch run. It seems like you know you know they were well, one or two injuries away from you know having a pretty empty roster. So you know you lose heaps and it showed that you know they were kind of lacking on depth. But I think you know it's going to either be do or die time. You don't want to end up losing that second position to the Red Bulls and really start getting in trouble for the playoff run.
2: And he added some uh, speed off the bench, something that the Revs have been lacking. And he uh, didn't, didn't produce uh, too much for the Revs tonight, but he certainly showed some glimpses of what he is capable of. The other player, Man Sally, who they signed recently, uh, I believe is a left footed player, scored a left footed goal in the Under 20 World Cup. Um, maybe an option on the left side of the def- on the midfield as well. Uh, maybe he'll get it. I don't know if he traveled with the team or not, having I mean, just signed, but they do have a reserve game tonight, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what, if any, party players in that. Uh, certainly some some new blood in the team, but they still had those two roster spots open uh, with only eight days left to fill them.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, you hear kind of, you know, rumors about maybe Francesco Coco coming over, things like that, you know, and and it's, you know, you'd like to see them have these roster spots filled up earlier rather than, you know, trying to find whoever's available at the last moment. That usually is never a a recipe for success when you're trying at the last second to find someone. So, you know, it, it kind of makes you wonder why they held on to these roster spots this long. But, you know, what can you do? you just got to hope that they can find someone else if they if they can see anyone worth signing.
2: And the revolution, as you mentioned, uh, Jay Heaps was out injured going in, uh, in the games before this. Pat Noonan was out for a couple of games. He did make his appearance on Tuesday and actually went, I think, a little longer than he had been hoping to go uh, in that match, playing uh, over 90 minutes as that game went into overtime and actually scoring the winning goal in that game. Uh, but the revolution... Uh, do have, Do have some options as you mentioned, some of the new guys coming in i, I didn 't actually expect to see guys like Nyayasi uh, m- making an impact so soon coming up, coming in off the bench in the, in his first two games
3: yeah, I think that just shows you know what kind of uh, depth that they were really looking to find uh, you You bring in a guy on under twenty yeah he 's been training with the team a little bit in the build up to the signing but you know, it just shows you that they were really kind of weak in the the bench department, and, you know, you can sign a guy, you know, he really did show well in the under-20 World Cup, so, you know, he has some skill to him. He's not just a signing for the future, but, you know, it helps to have a guy like that coming in.
2: And on the other hand, though, you look at D.C., you mentioned Ben Olsen coming off the bench. Uh, they're a team that I think part of the reason they're ahead of the Revs now is the depth that they have. They're able to bring out a guy like Brian Carroll not start him. They were able to not start Ben Olsen uh, and still put in a very good performance and win the match against the Revolution. Uh, Bobby Boswell as well on the bench. There's some several veteran players that they have in their team that maybe the Revolution are lacking. As we mentioned, they have some of the younger guys on there. But really looking at the Revolution bench, there's no real veteran presence. It's players that you can come uh, bring off the bench, particularly in a situation where maybe you have the lead and you want to hold on to it.
3: Yeah, I mean if you look at the bench you got guys like Wells Thompson, yeah, I see maybe Gary Flood who's made a couple of appearances. I mean, you got really no one. I mean, you have Marshall Leonard, but he hasn't shown for a bunch of, you know, a couple seasons, so I don't know even if he was to play how, you know, rusty he would be, you know, working with a first team kind of environment. So really as you say there's no real veteran presence on that bench to go to if you're trying to settle a game late in the match.
2: Kind of changing the topic a little bit. Uh, we did mention the game on Tuesday. Certainly a more positive result for the Revolution. Uh, another chance for them to win to win a, a tournament here. Win the U.S. Open Cup. They still have not won. Uh, major title. They've been in the U.S. Open Cup Final in the past. They've been to the three MLS Cup Finals, have yet to win one. They're back in the U.S. Open Cup Final thanks to their 2-1 victory over the Carolina Railhawks. The Railhawks scored early, uh, but the Revolution, uh, after kind of a fracas there, a little bit of fighting going on with Shari Joseph getting ejected, uh, and Connelly Adozian, the former Revolution player, who is now on Carolina, getting ejected as well. Uh, I know the players are disappointed with how that went down, but Jeff Drunter, but scored soon after that. The Revs tied it up, uh, going into the halftime, which is certainly very crucial to see uh, going tied going into halftime. Uh, even when we went up another man later on in the match when they got another red card, then they went into overtime, and as I mentioned, Pat Noonan scored the winner of that game. And now they're heading on to the final, unfortunately, in Dallas, uh, where they face FC Dallas. So it certainly should be interesting to see how that game goes and giving the Revs another shot at winning a title.
3: Yeah, it was a very chippy game. It sounded like uh, I wasn't able to be there, but I heard a lot of it on the radio. So, uh, you know, you could tell that it was just you know kind of an, uh, a very physical battle. And you you come out of that win, you know, you, with a two one win, it's always good. You, but you lose your captain for the next match in the final, which is going to be a tough road game against a very good Dallas team. But then you get the other positives. You see a guy like Niasse coming in, grabbing the uh, grabbing the assist in his debut. You see. You know, guys like Noonan picking up a goal after coming back in, you know, gets to go over 90 minutes. That's a positive note. So, you know, you get a lot of positives, even though it's a, a chippy contest against a lower level uh, competition.
2: And we've seen Jeff Lerunowitz score a couple of goals this year. Uh, this one in this game, a diving header, something we haven't seen from him yet. Uh, we did get to talk to Jeff Lerunowitz after the match and his thoughts on that goal and as well as the overall flow of the game. I think that's the first time I seen
4: scoring diving header. Yeah, diving header, it was a little different. Um, Pat played me in, and I, I beat a guy, and it went straight to Adam. And then Pat continued his run wide Adam played him one-time ball. I continued my run again, and Pat looked up and just clipped it over the last guy, and I was able to get my head on it. Excited to be heading at the final? Of course. I mean, anytime that you get a chance to... To go to a final and, and uh, get a chance for a trophy, everybody's gonna be excited. Obviously, things didn't go exactly as planned tonight, but uh, I think we we gutted it out and, and uh, got the win that we needed. Disappointed that the game got so physical right before Well, I mean, it's a it's a semifinal, and uh, I mean, people are gonna come in fired up, and you know, in front of a A neutral crowd I think that uh, they came up here and they they were ready to play and ready to fight and I don't know if that's their style but that's the way it turned into it and uh, I don't know we were just happy to be able to to hold on and, and get the win were you surprised why your team slow start? Was it partly because of the 10 days off? Maybe. I don't know if it was. A, I mean, we didn't really start that slow. I think that uh, they were just able to to uh, take advantage of being able to play it into their forwards, and and uh, I think uh, they got a fortunate bounce and, and finished. It was a good goal for them, and we just, uh, you know, we showed the the ability to bounce back.
2: Yeah, and that was Revolution uh, midfielder Jeff Rondel, who, to, to mention, has scored some good goals this year. The, uh, free kick goal against Real Salt Lake certainly comes to mind and this diving header was certainly one for the highlight books there uh, right before the halftime, big boost for the Revolution going and they actually could have scored another goal just a couple seconds later that would have put them in the lead I think it was Noonan with the chance there, probably should have done better there, uh, but we also did talk to Noonan last night coming back from the injury uh, in, in his performance, he, he played a key role scoring the winning goal there and also played well throughout the match so we have his comments now
0: a Nice build up, uh, Sonny getting the ball out wide and finding uh, Chrisman in the middle and Chrisman did a good job to see my run and lay it off and I uh, was able to put it in did you ever think it wasn't going to be your night with those two shots off the post no I mean it happens you keep going that's why uh, that's why you uh, you keep playing and, and keep shooting because it's bound to go in but uh, yeah were you expecting to play as long as they come back from injury? Um I didn't have any expectations. I was, you know, hoping the game would be over 90 minutes and play 90 minutes. But, uh, you know, I was definitely fatigued,
2: but uh, you know, that helps. Do you think the team started a little slowly because of uh, the 10 days
0: off? Um, I don't know what the reason was, but we did, and uh, we were able to come back from it, which is good. But it uh, wasn't a very good start, and uh, you know we started after the goal to put pressure on them, and uh, you know it's it's not that good when you have to wait until they get a goal to start before you start playing. So
2: we adjusted. Were you surprised at all by the violent turn in the game it's just that's before halftime? Sure. Uh, no, I mean stuff like that happens. It's part of the game, and you know two teams playing hard and
0: uh, you know, heads button, so it happens.
2: Again, that was uh, Revolution Ford Pat Noonan who scored the uh, winner on Tuesday night's Open Cup game. That game taking place in New Britain against the Carolina Railhawks. Uh, certainly certainly a big result for the Revs there, making them to another another championship game, the U.S. Open Cup final. Certainly a great opportunity for them to win. Uh, unfortunately, as I said, it will be in Dallas. It will be the home field advantage for FC Dallas, the Revolution not winning out on the bid to host that match. Uh, but as I mentioned, a great chance for the Revolution to win a trophy. Uh, looks like the supporter Shield race is going to be tough for them to come back from after this result so the U.S. Open Cup takes on that much more importance.
3: Yeah definitely anytime you know it's one game to, to get a trophy you know, you gotta just go bring all your guns yeah they're gonna be without Shawry Joseph but you know other than that it seems like they'll be able to barring any injuries they'll have you know pretty much the rest of their full complement of players so I mean yeah Dallas gets a guy like Danielson in and he's kind of making an impact you know getting a goal in his first game although it was off a of PK but you know it just shows you know you bring kind of guys like that in you're expecting a tough match and I think you know you just got to take the chance, try to grab your first trophy because you never know what's going to happen in the MLS playoffs. Let's
2: we'll get maybe a little bit of a preview of that match with the uh, Revolution's match coming this weekend against FC Dallas. And uh, FC Dallas, with a four-to-nothing loss to DC United uh, over last last weekend, I believe. So uh, they're a team that has also had some inconsistencies, uh, similar to the Revolution, where they've started strong and kind of gone in a similar streak as the Revs lately, where they haven't been playing their best, but they've been winning some games and losing some. So It'll be interesting to see how those two teams, uh, what form those two teams are in going into that match with just two games left for the Revolution, actually three games left for the Revolution before uh, that Open Cup final match.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, both teams are kind of heading up and down. I think you saw both teams lose. Some of their top forwards, Kenny Cooper going down for Dallas, we lost Pat Noonan for a little bit. So you get, you know, the kind of in and out of the lineup, you lose a little bit of your cohesion, you lose a little bit of your creativity, and it changes the way the team plays. So now it's just gonna be, you know, can they get back to the earlier side, the, the earlier season form?
2: We talked about the rev having the revs having six regular season games left after this match. Looking at the run, and they have FC Dallas at home this weekend, as we brought up. That's certainly not going to be an easy game. Uh, but after that, the Revolution schedule: uh, no more big teams like DC United, Houston Dynamo, and Chivas USA who've been playing. You know, the, the three other teams that have been playing really, str- re- really strongly lately. Uh, they have the New York Red Bulls uh, the following weekend after Dallas uh, away. That game might be the tough. Then they have Colorado Rapids at home. That's a game the Revolution should win certainly. Uh, Certainly the Open Cup match in between that tough game. Away at the Chicago Fire, which is another team that kind of changed the results around late with uh, Blanco joining the team. They're certainly still in the hunt for a playoff spot, but they got a little ways to go for that. Uh, And then after that, they have the Columbus crew at home and away at Toronto FC. Really, all those games are winnable games to the revolution. Certainly games that are going to be easier than this away game at DC United who's really been the hottest team in the league lately
3: yeah definitely if you're trying to compare those to the DC United game you know that's that's always going to be a tough an easier matchup but you look at all those teams that you listed Colorado Columbus, Chicago, those guys are all fighting for their playoff lives. So, I mean, I think even if they might not be as good as a D.C. with the amount of, you know, effort that they're going to be putting in to to get into the playoffs, they're all going to be do-or-die kind of games for a lot of those teams, kind of, you know, playoff matches in their own ways for them. So I think you're going to be seeing a lot of teams bringing out their A game. I mean, if you look at New York, they're going to be, you know, trying to leapfrog the revs in the standings, you know. It's going to be tough matches, I think, all the way in.
2: And the one uh, comment we didn't get to play yet from the Open Cup uh, was Matt Reese. I believe he talked a little bit about, the stretch coming up and uh, their inconsistencies and really needing to win that open cup final and uh, not meaning anything going as far as they have without winning so we do have his comments they can play now none
5: of the crew i mean they had the best night and um it seems like they got worse as the game went on instead of getting better
4: mm-hmm. what about the, the next six weeks coming up you've been here before haven't you but, but Nothing. Nothing that's
5: gone before really prepares you for this. No, no, it's a new. Uh, anytime it's, you're in a final, it's a it's a new situation. Um, we can kind of bank a little bit on on what we've done in the past, and um, you know it shouldn't be anything you know new to us as getting to a final. It's just hopefully we can uh, we can prevail and, and um, do what we need to do to get over the top. You know, and in, in the final, it's a one one off. It's a one game, and um, anything can happen. And um, you know we got to be be sure that we're both mentally and physically ready well, you know wherever we go to you know we try to make it as hard on ourselves as possible we you know playing down here in connecticut not really a home field advantage and um you know although we did have a great crowd and they're very supportive but you know, not even putting in a, a good enough bid to, to get a, a chance to get the the final played at our home field. So, um, you know, we made it tough on ourselves, and um, you know, we'll, we'll see who we face. But, um, you know, I think we're we're very happy going to another final. The players think about what's
4: happening
5: in the past past finals, or I mean, is that something that media talk about and fans talk about? Yeah, it's, it's media and fans. It's you know, it's an honor and it's a uh, shows uh, what kind of quality we have as a team to. To constantly get get into finals, it takes a lot. You know, there's there's a lot of uh, of uh, things that go into to making it to finals, and uh, there's a bit of luck. And uh, you know, fortunately, we've been in quite a few. It's just a matter of, of getting over that one game hump. And it's just it's just it, isn't it? It's just that one game. And yeah, it, it's it's one game, and you know, it it really doesn't matter what's led up to that game. It's you gotta you know, uh, put it out there and and make sure you do whatever it takes to win. Looking at the
4: league, you guys are in a good position, but just got to
5: keep on keeping on for the next six weeks. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we have I think it's seven games left, and uh, you know, after Labor Day, it, it gets to be the the fun time of the year where games are starting to mean a lot more, and um, you know, you're, you're kind of seeing the end and kind of rounded that last turn, and um, we are, uh, yeah, we are in a good position, but we just got to be uh, be more. Uh, Consistent. We've played one good game, one bad game, one good game, one bad game. we got to eliminate that bad game, uh, make sure that we're, we're doing the right things uh, defensively, and, and you know, we have such firepower that it'll take care of itself offensively.
2: Again, that was Revolution goalkeeper Matt Reese and his comments on the Open Cup and the upcoming schedule. We talked a little bit about the Rev schedule, but looking at D.C.'s schedule, they have kind of a similar schedule against some teams that are still fighting, uh, hoping get, to make the playoffs and needing big wins uh, in those games. But they also have the Copa Sudamericana against uh, Chivas de Guadalajara, which will certainly be an uh, important game for them. It's a game they're going to probably put a lot of emphasis on. Maybe that will take away from their other matches. Uh, and, and maybe they'll slip up a bit, uh, give the Revs some hope to, to come back and possibly win the Supporters' Shield. But uh, like the Revs, they do have the additional games, the Copa Sudamerica, where the Revs have the Open Cup Final. So it will be interesting to see down the stretch how those two teams, how those two teams do and how everything plays out. Uh, but again, we did have one more game we wanted to talk about before we went to break and uh, came back with Tommy Smith. Uh, the Brazil-US game, certainly a game that was highly anticipated when it was announced. The US canceling their game against Mexico to play Brazil, the top-ranked team in the world. The US really put in a good performance. Certainly not going to be had with a 4-2 loss. But uh, Clint Dempsey scoring a goal, Carlos Bocanegra scoring a goal, an unfortunate own goal off of Guccione, uh, a late penalty kick, uh, a, a lucky, a lucky free kick that we did. I know. We watched the game. We didn't really see uh, the full extent of what that foul was that led up to the free kick. Uh, they didn't really show a good replay of that. But c- certainly, the U.S. can be proud of their performance.
3: No, definitely. I think you can take a lot of a lot of positives out of that match. You can see, you know, uh, Terundolo really had a good game. I thought coming back from injury, set up the goal brilliantly. I thought, you know, Anye will, you know, maybe not his best game that he's had as a center back, but definitely didn't have any of those huge lapses that you've seen him being prone to in the past. I thought, you know, Donovan played fairly well out on the right wing, so you know there was a lot of positives to take away. You throw away the own goal in the late PK by uh, Michael Bradley, who I, you know, I mean that's kind of a stupid foul to take in that situation. You know, it didn't look like that was going to be an easy goal chance for them. So I mean, if you look at it that way, maybe it ends 2-2, and that's not a bad game for you know, but as as it is, it's 4-2. So, but you don't really take as much of a negatives as you would out of a normal 4-2 loss.
2: You saw some good play, particularly out of uh, Steve Chirondolo, who's been out uh, for the recent games for the U.S. Uh, guys like Frankie Haddock, Frankie Simic, uh Jonathan Spector have been filling out the right back spot. Chirondolo really put in a great performance. Uh, assisting on Dempsey's goal, making that great run forward, and also doing well defensively uh, frequently against a guy like Ronaldinho. So, certainly, it was good to see uh, his veteran presence back in there.
3: Yeah, uh, I thought he had a good game. I thought, you know, the, most of the back line had a pretty good game. I thought Boca did all right. I thought uh, even Heath Pierce showed, you know, that he was just not really out of that position playing even against, you know, guys like the, you know, Brazilian national team. So. Mm-hmm. It was, I thought there was a lot of positives. I thought, you know, maybe Phil Herbert didn't have his best game, but, you know, they had a pretty good game overall.
2: And there were probably a few players the U.S. and Bob Bradley would have liked to have called up, but he seemed to have gone easy on the teams that did have MY scams this weekend. Uh, in particular, guys like Jonathan Bornstein, as uh, a guy who we've seen a lot of at left back uh, recently, and certainly guys like Taylor Twelman, potentially, Brian Ching, uh, all guys that uh, Bob Bradley elected not to take this game so really this might not have even been the best u.s team that they could have put out in the field
3: yeah and i think you could make maybe some of the uh, same arguments for the brazil national team they also had a couple injuries you know no alex and maybe i mean i'm not sure if you know if if uh, alfonso would be considered their number one striker so you know i mean i thought both teams had very strong lineups but maybe not their total you know what they would bring if it was a world cup kind of a match
2: but certainly nonetheless interesting good Good to see the U.S. put in such a strong performance against the uh, Brazilian side after seeing the uh, disappointing Copa America tournament, where really they had been playing uh, their weaker lineup.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think it just shows you, you know, you take a match more seriously even if it is a friendly uh, when it's a big opponent with your best players against their best players. I thought you saw the, you know, the Copa America. Both teams really didn't have their their A or even B teams, so it was a much different setup down there.
2: Well, we are going to take a, a quick break here, and then we'll be back with ESPN Soccer analyst Tommy Smith
1: looking for soccer in new england It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. Oh. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380.
2: Welcome back to Revolution Recap, I'm Sean Donahue, joined here today in studio by Dave Ackman, and now over the phone we have Tommy Smith, ESPN Soccer Analyst. Tommy, can you hear me? Yes,
6: I can hear you, Sean. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Nice to be on with you again.
2: Thanks a lot for joining us today.
6: Not a problem,
2: not a problem. How are you? Good. And Now, uh, we know in the past you've been covering plenty of international games, the European Champions League, and uh, now this year you've been doing a lot of MLS games. How do you compare the quality of MLS? Has it grown a lot uh, since its inception? Is it ever going to get to the level of some of these Champions League teams that we've seen?
6: Well, it's got a long way to go, Sean. You know, I mean, first of all, you have to start spending money if you're going to get the, the kind of teams that you find in the Champions League. I mean, you look at a Barcelona team and they got a Ronaldinho who you stop, and they all kinds of tricks today on the field for Brazil. And then you turn around and you on the opposite side of him you have Messi and you have uh, Andre who they just signed from Arsenal and you have Samuelito and that's just the four strikers and you have uh, you know you got a lot of really good players so MLS has a bit to go yeah it's growing uh, it's growing but you know you have to take into consideration that the league is only ten years eleven years old so it's got a long way to go in terms of years and it's got a long way to go to be as good as some of these Champions League games yeah.
2: Do you think uh, signing Beckham was a step in the right direction?
6: Well, it's a step in the right direction in terms of, of gaining publicity. I mean, we've all seen the amount of publicity that Beckham got. Unfortunately, the timing in Beckham's case was, was just a little bit off, you know. My mother always said that the thing about life is you need good timing in it. And in Beckham's case, the timing wasn't good as injury, really, put the a on a lot of really good things that were happening. And one just hopes that he will get himself fit. And uh, he will be fine, and he will start off next year, and, and he will do the job that he was brought to the United States to do, and that is gain a lot of attention. He does gain a lot of attention, not just in the sports media, but in the regular media as well. So in that respect, I think it's a good buy, yeah.
2: And some of the other foreign imports this, imports this year have had quite an impact. Uh, lesser knowns like Luciano Emilio uh, and, and more a bigger name like Juan Pablo and Hal. Uh, have you been uh, surprised at all by how well these guys and, have done coming into the league? Kind of uh, an unknown in Luciano Emilio's case, and uh, a guy like Juan Pablo Angel, who's uh, played in the Premier League but not had the success that maybe some expected with his price tag going over there. Yeah, it, it's a little bit surprising. You know, I mean, you could say that it, it's probably
6: a little bit of a knock on some of the players within the league that guys like that are coming in who really didn't make it in other leagues and are coming in and being huge stars. As you said, Emilio is a big star. I mean, he, all right, he played in, in Honduras and scored a lot of goals. Juan Pablo Anhez has been in, in England. I mean, he's on the brink of being finished with juniors. I'm not sure what the need for the story is at all. I mean, a guy who had so much talent, he ends up playing in Saudi Arabia unless he was playing just for the money. So it, it, it is a little, it's a little. There's a concern that there's a concern that those guys can come to MLS stars because of the fact that they weren't big stars and other players. So it, it'll be just interesting to watch and see what does happen with this.
2: And looking at the league this year, from uh, all the games you've covered, what are the teams that have impressed you this year that you think have the maybe the biggest shot of making it to the MLS Cup Championship? Certainly, you have to, you know, a team
6: that has impressed me has been uh, Houston. I mean, they have done really well. They're a very good-looking team. And, uh, you know, the revs have a pretty good-looking, decent outfit. Steve Nicholas has put together a pretty decent outfit. I know what happened today. They got waxed by D.C. D.C. has looked very good as well another team. I wouldn't rule the Bulls out yet, New York. Uh, you know, Bruce Arena has a habit of getting t- things right at, at the right time. I'm not saying they're a great team. Um, I mean, if you're looking for disappointments, I mean, I can't understand what has happened to L.A. This is a team that really has surprised me, and uh, I just can't believe it's beginning to look like they certainly won't make the the playoffs, which is a shame, no matter how fit Beckham is or how fit Beckham's not going to be, they're not going to be there. It'd be very difficult at this point in time to pick a team that would win, win the Cup but uh, I would certainly think that Dominic Kinnear and Houston must have a shot at
2: it. And uh, on the other side, you cover a lot of international matches as well. You know, you've done the uh, World Cup in the past. Uh, what do you see from this current US team coming up? Are they are they a team that uh, maybe a couple of years down the road, come 2010 World Cup, could maybe make another trip back to the quarterfinals? Are they headed in the re- right direction?
6: They're headed in the right direction, but it's 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 very it's a team that you know he keeps putting players in and taking players out. I'm not sure that Bob Bradley himself knows who the team is going to be Um, certainly you look at the guys I mean Dempsey looks like he has come on quite a bit and Beasley is certainly a player who can play Book and Agri can play they're pretty good Tim Howard's in goal I mean I think Tim is going to be i said for a long time he will be the goalkeeper of the future Landon Donovan needs to step up and Landon really needs to play a big part of this and after that you know there's a lot of positions up for grabs at the moment I mean who is the who is the player who's going to put the ball in the back of the net that that is a question I mean, okay, Eddie Johnson is a 12-man. You know, there's so many unanswered questions here that, that it's, it's early to tell, but it's starting to get late because qualifying starts in less than a year. And, I mean, if the U.S. didn't qualify, it, it would put the U.S. program back 25 years. So that's the first important thing is to get out of you know, to get out of your own region and get qualified for the World Cup finals, and then the draw means so much after that. So, you know, they're heading in the right direction. The Civic to get back to the quarterfinals, I don't know. they need to be an awful lot better team than they were in the last World Cup finals.
2: And for you personally, you know, uh, you started working for ESPN in 1993 and covering soccer. Uh, how did you first get into uh, covering the sport of soccer?
6: Well, oh, actually, I, I was. You know, I I covered Gaelic football as as an announcer, and I had my own radio show in New York, which is still on the air. My wife uh, has that program now. It's the longest-running Irish radio show in the country. That was where I started, and uh, I did the games in Gaelic Park. And then in in 1992, ESPN opened up ESPN International, and I basically came looking for a job, and uh, I was lucky enough to get a job, and... uh, you know, sometimes when you get on the ground floor and something is just starting up, you know, you can walk your way up at it. And I've been very, very lucky. You know, I've gotten the brakes, ESPN, then got the Champions League. And that became, of course, the big stepping stone for me. And I had a couple of years with the MetroStars, which gave me a lot of good exposure in the American market. Uh, basically, I just stumbled into where I am, Sean. There's, there's no great science involved. Anybody who tells you there is. A lot of it, again, is what I said my mom used to say. It's about timing. You know, I once said to a famous producer here in ESPN, what's the greatest asset that a talent can have? And he said, walk past my desk when I'm looking for somebody to do a job. And that's basically what it comes down to.
2: And are you happy now to be doing, uh, in addition to the Champions League games, the Thursday night MLS games? Oh, yeah.
6: I mean, you know, I mean, what is there not to be happy about? I have a job that... Most people in the world would kill for I, I see, uh, you know, on the international side of it, I see all the best soccer in the world, and on, on the club side of it, I see all the best soccer in the world. Now I'm involved in in the prime time on a Thursday night, and hey, it's it's a great experience for me, and uh, I'm very happy. I hope that people out there are as happy as, as I am.
2: Did you uh, play play the game at all growing up?
6: Oh, we played, everybody played a game in Ireland. We, we we played Gaelic football and we played soccer in Ireland. We played both. Um, I was never an international player by any stretch of the imagination. I had a few good years with uh, Shamrocks in New York, who played in the old German-American league, and then we went into the Cosmopolitan League, which was, it was the league, uh, it would be the league under the A-league now. But at that time, it was the top league, here because there was really no professional league going at that stage. So, I was a pretty decent player, I mean. I'm not going to brag too much about my playing days. Uh, I, I certainly talk better than I play.
2: I mean, coming over here uh, when you did, the this state of American soccer now is completely different. Uh, do you think it's made a lot of progress in, uh, in those years? Oh, yeah. It's, it's made an enormous amount of progress. I mean, you know, when I came here in the, in
6: the, the 60s, I came here in 63. I mean, American soccer was like, uh, it was just... It was just a kind of a mention in people's minds. And they started building and building and building. And they've done a fantastic job. The program's here for kids. And the program's here to get people involved playing soccer is absolutely incredible. And, you know, one of the things that I always try to impress upon people is that you don't actually... You know, everybody thinks that you have to have a magnificent league and you have to have a league like the Premiership to have a good international team. That's not so. I mean, you look at Ireland. It has a semi-professional league and it has a very good international team. So, you know, don't measure one thing against the other. I know people say, well, MLS hasn't done the job it's supposed to do. The crowds are not going to it. But, you know, you have to separate the two. You can have a very good international side and not have a good uh, professional league. But they have made huge strides in the United States. In terms of organising soccer and in terms of getting players involved in playing
2: it. Well, that's another thing with the uh, leagues here. There's still uh, a lot of a lot of soccer fans in the United States that uh, really don't watch MLS to watch all the international games, but uh, they, they really don't watch MLS. What do you think needs to be done to kind of bring those fans over and maybe make them uh, fans of the league? Yeah, there's a couple of things I think needs to be done. I mean,
6: <clears throat> you have to keep improving the league. You have to keep improving the standard of play on the field. You know, in the 60s or in the 70s, you could fool American soccer fans and say, OK, this is a good team out there and they're playing. And like guys like Jim McKay would say, well, that's the goalkeeper and he can handle the ball because he's the goalkeeper. And we would kick it 60 yards They would say, well, that is a magnificent kick. Uh, The soccer fan in the United States is now as sophisticated as soccer fans around most of the world because of the amount of soccer that's on television in the United States. You can't fool the American soccer fan anymore into thinking that a good game is... If it's not a good game, you can't tell them that it is a good game. They're not going to believe you because they know themselves. So you have to keep improving the product on the field. And I think one of the things that has to be done in the United States is, you know, they have to get away from this idea of having to always compare. Is MLS as good as another league in the world? Who cares? You're only as good or you only have to be as good as the leagues you play against. It's not, you know, playing soccer, having a good soccer team, having a good soccer league. It's not about bragging rights. It's about the product on the field. If the product is not on the field, you can spin it any way you want to. You know, if if some of these guys spent as, as much time developing players, as they do spinning where MLS would be in the Premiership or in the Championship or in the Bundesliga, I think they'd be much better off. I think it's just, that's just a waste of time. But obviously the product on the field has to get better and they have to keep producing good players. I mean, a uh, knock on the US now is that the players being produced are going overseas. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with producing a good player like a Boca Negra or, you know, a, a Tim Howard or whoever it may be, and send them overseas to play. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Many countries in the world do it, and many countries in the world have made very good international sides out of it, because the only time that you gain valuable experience as a soccer player or any kind of an athlete is when you play against players who are better than you are. And there's no point in sitting in your locker room every week when the game comes along and you know the coach is going to say, OK, you're the first man on the field. I mean, you have to put yourself in the shoes of somebody like David Beckham when David Beckham was playing with Real Madrid he's a good player but he didn't know from one week to the other if he was going to be on the field it's the same with, with Barcelona I mean uh, Messi is a very good player he, he doesn't know from one week to the next if he's going to be on the field this is the kind of stuff you have to create to create good players you have to create uncertainty in players minds you can have players in a comfort zone where they know that they're the very best and there's nobody better
2: than them around that's kind of something we've been talking about uh, earlier in the program, about you kind know, of the depth in, of MLS teams. Uh, certainly can't compare to the teams like you been saying, like Real Madrid or Barcelona. Uh, where there aren't the players that uh, really can be challenging the starters uh, in most cases for a starting spot. Uh, certainly with the developmental rosters, the rosters expanding, that was a good thing. But uh, the, the pay, certainly we see a guy like uh, Jay Needham with DC United, who would have been a good player for them. Uh, choosing to go to the actually lower division, USL1, to make Uh, some more money. That's certainly something that has to be addressed. Uh, And while it's great to see Beckham come over here for all that money, maybe it would be better to spend some more money in some of the younger players coming up to make sure they keep keep them and stay in the league.
6: Yeah, it's it's a very thin line, and it's a very thin balance. I think much has been made about the fact that Beckham was going to earn so much money. Uh, I don't put a whole lot into that because... If you look at the terms of the contract, he's really not earning that much money. He's not earning just 250 million. He will if he sells a million jerseys and stuff like that. And he's liable to do that. I mean, there's so much of Beckham's money involved in the rights of Beckham's name, which was one of the main reasons why he wanted to leave Real Madrid because he didn't have, he didn't have a handle on that or he didn't have a cut. When Real Madrid sold the jerseys, it was Real Madrid because when they bought Beckham, they bought the Beckham brand. With uh, with LA, that's one thing I think that people should be explained about is that LA really doesn't own the Beckham brand. Beckham is control of the Beckham brand now, and between LA and Beckham, they share the spoils as to what happens with all the jerseys. I'm told over 300,000 jerseys sold already at 80 bucks a pop. Hey, that that's a fair chunk of the 250 million right there. And if he sells another 300,000 next year. So all of those things have to be taken into consideration, but your point is very well taken. I mean, it's it's ludicrous to think that there are some young men who are playing in MLS who are making less than 25 grand a year. You can't live on 25 grand a year in the United States at the moment. I don't care where you live, what part of the country you're living in. They have to find a way to attract these young players and, and your case is a great one where the player decided okay i'm going to go play in a lower league i mean that is a kind of an embarrassment that should be an embarrassment to mls and i know that it's a very good it's a very good business uh, whatever they call it the way mls has done and they have done very well out of it and they have got a lot of sponsorship money etc etc But I think it's time that they started making the players. The players are the people who are going to make this league. Not the people in the front offices, not the people who are spinning it, not the announcers in the television booth. This league will be made by the players on the field. The better the players are on the field, the more people are going to be in the stands and the happier they're going to be. So I think the emphasis should be totally on developing young players who can play the game and who can play it at a very high level.
2: I certainly agree with you on that. Uh, but Looking at some of the other things the, league's been, the league has been doing, we see uh, Toronto coming into the league this year. Uh, they've had some great, great home support uh, with a w- actually a waiting list for season ticket sales. I know I was a little wary of them coming in. I was seeing their, uh, I believe, their USL Division One team that they have really didn't do that well uh, in attendance. But th- have you, are you surprised at all how well this team is supported? Have you been uh, impressed by the you know, support that a team like Toronto has? And I guess even the support that some other teams have, like D.C. United, uh, in the atmosphere that they've made at those stadiums. Yeah, I mean, uh,
6: Toronto is a special case. I mean,
2: uh, you know,
6: Toronto has had a tremendous fan base for soccer for a long time. I mean, because of, you know, the close ties, can- Canada and England, and there's an awful, there's a feel of of, of being at a, an English game when you go to the games in Toronto, because that's again of the way the fan base is. Is it's, it's different than the fan base in, in DC United, where there's more of a Latin feel to it. I'm not surprised at all. The only problem is that Toronto has is haven't done very well on the field. And, you know, the novelty of supporting a team wears off very quickly. You may get support for one or two years, but if you don't have a team who, uh, you know, who deserves that kind of support, there's no guarantee that you're going to get it. So you can do yourself an awful lot more damage. I think Toronto, you know, they found themselves between a rock and a hard place. Mo Johnson, a lot of injuries. He tried to rebound the team. Maybe he made a few mistakes here and there in letting people go. And Toronto just hasn't been the team that, you know, that, that the fans deserve because of the kind of support they are. And now I'm reading that, like, the ticket prices are going to go up next year, and they're already... Putting them up seven or eight percent or something. Those are the kind of things that are going to present problems, Sean.
2: And the upcoming uh, rest of the season, there's about six games, six or seven games left for most of the teams. Uh, what do you think? What, what do you think are the important things to look at for the rest of the season? Uh, players that, uh, players to watch, and uh, what to look out for in these last couple of games. Well, I think the thing every every team has to do now is try to make sure that they solidify where they
6: are. I mean, you see a team like the Revs today getting pasted, and you say to yourself, hey, that's not a good way to prepare for the playoffs. So I think teams have to be careful that, you know, uh, there are a few teams who are still on the the cusp who don't know whether they're going to be in or not. There are several teams who say, okay, we are in there. But you can't afford to let let down, because one of the problems you have in situations like that is when players... Let down, you can end up with players getting injured, and and players can't afford to play at half speed. I mean, it's it's important now that you stay healthy for the rest of the season. That that is the big thing that all teams now have to, to guard against is the fact that you know that a, an important player could get injured, uh, and uh, you know you just uh, you know whilst winning may be a habit, you know losing can become a very bad habit, and you don't want to get into that habit of taking a team, getting the team waxed, and uh, you're saying to yourself, okay, we can turn it on when we get back into the playoffs. But that's not going to happen. So I think you have to watch for teams now who finish very strongly.
2: Well, you, you uh, mentioned the teams, the finishing off of the season here, needing to keep healthy. If you look at, uh, like the English Premier League the league is set up differently where you see a team make some big additions, uh, like Chicago bringing in Blanco and uh, Paulo Chope. Uh, those are two guys that could really turn their season around. Uh, maybe not win the, win the uh, regular season, but certainly going into the playoffs. A team like that could surprise somebody. Uh, so these teams really need to be at the top of their game going through the rest of the season.
6: Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's the key. I mean, uh, you know, you bring in the players hoping the big players can, you know, a Blanco can go out and win a game for you. But in the end, you know... You have to have the team. You have to have the team, right? You have to have the team firing on all cylinders. I mean, it becomes a, it becomes another campaign. Hey, it's one thing to make the playoffs, but it's 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 very difficult to survive in the playoff system. You know, during the regular season, because of the way the the way the league is set up, I mean, you can make many different mistakes during the season, and you can still find yourself in a nice situation that you're going to end up in the playoffs. You can't do that in the playoffs. There is no room for error in the playoffs. It, it, you can't, you know, during the season, a manager can go out and he can experiment with a player or he can exper- experiment with two or three players and say, okay, so we lost, so what? It doesn't mean anything. We're still in fourth, second or third. But you can't do that. So, like, it's it's a tough time on managers as well. Managers have to have the mindset ready and set going into the playoffs they have to know exactly what they want to do the the experiments are over at this stage, if you're going to do experiments from here to the end you can have a couple of games where you can experiment but after that you have to have your team set and you have to know exactly what moves you're going to make, how you're going to make these moves and you know one or two players can be the difference in in making it through to the next round of the playoffs
2: Now we will let you go in just a second but before you do, uh, one last question certainly Fans who've been watching your broadcast, there are a couple of you know unique things that uh, unique comments you bring to the game. Certainly, when uh, the goal is scored, um, such the bulge in the old onion bag. Where where are these uh, expressions from? You come from?
6: Well, the bulge in the old onion bag is something that I came up with with a friend of mine, and. Uh you know, it, it, it was fairly simple to come up with because when you walk into a, a supermarket, if you take a look at the the onions sitting in the bag, I mean, it's just like what a ball does when it gets into the, into the back of it. And, uh, you know, at that time, uh, for a long time, in a lot of places, the nets were always red. I mean, there are very few red nets now. And so when the ball hit the back of the net. I mean, it just became an extension to say that it was a bulge in the old onion bag. Most of the other stuff I use is stuff that's a way of life or a way of talking in Ireland, you know. Uh, We do have a strange sense of humor and we do have a, a great way of putting the English language together. Look at James Joyce. And, uh, you know, the Irish people have been known for their wit and sarcasm for many years. And a lot of it just comes from, you know, things my mother said, things that were said around the house, things my father said, or something like that.
2: Well, thanks a lot for joining us today.
6: No problem. Always a pleasure. I wish you the very best, and keep the show on the road, because... It's guys like you who are going to push uh, this great game over the top in the United States. And, uh, you know, someday you'll be there to reap the rewards, Sean. And uh, you look back on those, these days and you'll say, hey, it was a great experience. But these are the guys who are keeping it in the, in the forefront. You know, there are a lot of guys out there who get paid a lot of money to write about sports and they don't write anything about soccer. Guys like yourself and, and Dave are keeping this thing going and keeping it in front of the people. And, you know, there will come a day when somebody will say, Those guys really did
2: a fantastic job. So I'm saying it before anybody else does, Sean. Thank you very much. Well, thanks a lot and keep up the great work you do on ESPN. Take care, guys. Thank you. And that was uh, Tommy Smith, uh, the ESPN soccer analyst. We are going to take another quick break here and then we'll be uh, back to wrap up the show.
1: Looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380.
2: Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Sean Donahue here, joined by Dave Ackman in studio. Uh, looking at uh, some of the other games this weekend. On Saturday, the Chicago Fire and the Columbus Crew play each other. Uh, Chicago coming out on top of that. Those are two teams that are really fighting for kind of the last playoff spot there. Uh, so a big win for Chicago there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that one goes down. Certainly, Columbus Crew made some additions. Uh, Guillermo Barras-Coloto uh, in Chicago Fire with Juan Chope. Uh, and Blanco, certainly be interesting to see. Uh, how those players can can really help their teams they have so far how that works out down the line uh, Scalotto actually getting injured in that match so uh, a little disappointment for the crew there uh, also on Saturday we saw a real Salt Lake attack on the Houston Dynamo Houston Dynamo winning that 4-3 to three. Uh, Salt Lake though putting in a good performance uh, away to Houston certainly giving them a scare uh, Houston can't be happy having given up two late goals in that one uh, but uh, the other games there, Dallas winning 2 nothing over Toronto, Colorado losing 1-3 to to Los Angeles Galaxy. Another game tonight, QS USA taking on the Red Bulls. Uh, up this weekend, the Revolution facing FC Dallas and Danielson, certainly an exciting player to watch.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think that's going to be fun. You saw he already makes his impact, getting the penalty kick goal, you know, putting it way out of the reach of the keeper. Uh, so that's going to be a tough game.
2: And that game taking place at 7.30 on a Saturday, but also on Wednesday, Mexico versus Brazil. Another exciting game. That game taking place at 8.30.
3: Yes, at 8.30 at Gillette Stadium. Uh, that's going to be, if you had any indication of a lineup today, Brazil should have a bunch of their stars out for that game.
2: And we will be back next week. Again, you can get the archives at revolutionrecap.com. We also have a new week- weekly poll every week, so you can check that out. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very
3: much.
1: Service to the Blackstone Valley. This is 1380 WNRI Woonsocket. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery.